Good afternoon. You are listening to local media this week, a programme where we talk about what's in the papers uh, in Clare and in East Clare. And we're mainly referring to the Clare Champion, the Clare Echo and the Clare Herald Online. This week, back at great expense. And uh, David, it's a good job that you weren't here last week because uh, your beloved home county would have got a bit of a slagging um, for... <laughs> for their performances on, 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 on the fields. Um. Well, I, I, I'm a coward, so I couldn't face that. <laughs> so I, you know, uh, blue flu or whatever. Blue, blue flu, exactly. So uh, John S. Kelly, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, and uh, Pat O'Brien, Pat, good afternoon to you. And, and, Pat, and, and Pat, now, while we're going to start the show by uh, uh, throwing a few digs, uh, <laughs> as you know, uh, the show is recorded on a Thursday, and um, the main page one uh, release on the Echo is Clare supporters set for Munster final ticket frenzy. Now, Porrick obviously had a bit of Nostradamus ahead of him when he wrote this because we're uh, now Thursday afternoon after the Thursday morning, Pat, and uh, tell us about the great saga about the venue, the location and the tickets for the Munster final. Well, I suppose Clare supporters set for Munster final ticket frenzy, Porrick has the story, and in the front of the Clare champion, you have uh, Clare co-signed Munster final treaty. So I suppose it's an appropriate one for Clare and Limerick, a treaty. But anyway, uh, well, it appears that um, uh, Clare nominated Turles for the Munster final and uh, Limerick wanted to go to Cork. Uh, why they wanted to go to Cork, I don't really know, but I suppose maybe to the... To cut down the, the clear crowd maybe travelling down there. So I think um, when when there was a bit of a... Uh, uh, the, oh, yeah, the Munster Council officers, uh, well, well, some of the Munster Council anyway, were going to die cock and was going to go, probably going to go to cock. So I think clear then uh, contacted the Limerick County Board and said that maybe they'd have a negotiation on uh, playing at the at the, the Gaelic Crowns in Limerick. So it uh, was fixed for the Gaelic Crowns. Is there, is there any advantage to Limerick or any advantage to any team playing in its home ground? Like I, I was listening to some of the GA officials talk about it on the radio over the week and they said, you know, Six Mile Bridge uh, players and some other players close to Limerick City would be very familiar and have played uh, in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick and may have actually be more familiar with Limerick than they would be even of Cusick Park. I, that, that's a bit of an extreme, but that's what they were effectively saying. Yeah, there should, there should be. Most of the county players have played in all the big grounds and they'd, they'd, yeah. they'd, know, they'd know, but I suppose maybe there's a bit of an advantage because they might be trained there. I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know is it an awful lot because Shaclair went in there in their own Robin, their own Robin system and they were up four or five pints uh, towards the end and then they got a goal and Clare won it by a pint well, it's, the, the, it's good for supporters though isn't it for oh, both yeah. sides yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the main yeah. point well, Pat the cynic in me now uh, and when it comes to the GAA notwithstanding the front page of the Irish Independent today uh, in relation to the FAI um it looks to me as if the Munster branch wanting to go to Cork might have been to sort of just we have a stadium down there, lads. We need to pay back a few yeah, bob, well, and we try and bring them. That's another part of it. Yeah, that's another yeah, part. Of and it. I, I was reading that there are a lot of events on in Cork that weekend. Anyway, there's a concert on there, I think, and then you have that marquee thing is on down and beside yeah. the stadium. So uh, I don't and, 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 and David, I think. Uh, 
uh, Parky Cueve isn't the easiest part of the Republic City to get to. No, so it I'm isn't. Told. And of course, you, sp- you need special visas to get into the Republic of Cork. Yes. Um, well, the chairman, the chairman of the Clare County Board was on. I had him on Clare FM this morning, and he yeah. said that uh, he said we had no problem about the, the stadium or the you know the, um, the venue or the pitch or anything. But he said the 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 the. the the problem, the logistics of getting there for everybody, and if you're traveling from Belly, maybe Bellyvahan or from Blue Pet or somewhere down to Port Clare, you're you yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good decision. Uh, and, 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 and you'd have to say that for people traveling, we'll say from Limerick City down to Cork, is a nice spin as well. You know, it so. is not alone a nice yeah. spin, but it's an awkward, it's an it awkward. Darn road. Everybody travelling the same yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and oh, where's that motorway we were promised? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's also very magnanimous. I can never pronounce this word magnanimous of the of Clare to actually Absolutely. go to Limerick. I wonder would Limerick have been as generous? Yeah. Well, sure. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, we should. We could do. Yeah. And and and. Yeah. Well, the tickets, uh, all the tickets, all the terrace tickets were gone today in twenty-five minutes. They're gone. They're gone. So um, they're gone within twenty-five minutes of them being put up put on, on, on the Thursday morning. On Thursday, yeah, twelve o'clock. Yeah, the capacity of, of the pitch is forty-five. Forty-five thousand, yeah, yeah. So, th- so there'll be gold dust. The stand tickets will be stand tickets will be distributed through the clubs. Now you'll be hoping to lay hands on. Well, the members, yeah, all the members in the clubs will be will be um, will be uh, entitled to tickets, and if there's more, if there's more. <laughs> More tickets, or more uh, requests, and there is tickets. Just yeah. that has to be drawn out of the hat or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Well, but sure. Uh, we can't, I can't let it go, David. Uh, uh, sorry, no, Pat. Pat, will you just remind David what happened last week? <laughs> well, it was. Well, it was just two weeks ago now since Claire won. Two weeks so. ago, so yeah. And uh, there was, there's <laughs> history now. There's no point in bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Uh, <laughs> I suppose last last week they went down by a pint as well to, to Limerick in, in the Gaelic ground. So yeah, yeah, they're gone for another year. So and the, not to forget, of course, the minor final. Well, Ireland fans. Yeah, mine also in the action on and Sunday yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ross Ross Common had a great bit of a uh, draw with Dublin. With Dublin. Dublin. Unexpected, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Why? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I was full of optimism <laughs> <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> right, listen, we're going to just before we go with the minor. Uh, the captain is uh, attending school in Scarif, isn't he? That's right, he is indeed. Yeah, he's and he's a, and he's a, an elder of a. A man that won two All Ireland medals in 95, 95 and 97. He's a, he's a, and everyone, PJ his mother is PJ's sister. sister. Yeah, yeah. So there, there, mm-hmm. there's good breeding there. There's some good meals for those as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, listen, we're going to move on. And uh, we're strangely, we're, because, no, we don't generally refer to East Clare in the first part of the programme, but we are going to this week because. Uh, it's front page news on the champion and it's also uh, on page four in the echo and Fiona McGarry is writing details of new Scarif Centre emerged and as I said this show is recorded on Thursday and it's recorded a little bit earlier than usual because there is a meeting taking place uh, at McNamara's Bar in Scarif uh, tonight in relation to these issues but Fiona writes that more details have emerged about government plans to provide emergency accommodation to 77 people at former Clare Lakelands Hotel in Scarf. John, your thoughts? I'm looking at a photograph beside the main article there by Fiona that you referred to. And it's a photograph of two horses. Magnificent photograph. I'm wondering, was it very deliberately put? Was it very deliberately put uh, 
there beside the article was the uh, photographer sending us a message about the whole business of uh, the refugee question. But I'd recommend uh, a reflection. <laughs> it's a magnificent photograph. Anyway, come back to the main point, Luke. Details of new scarf centre emerging? Well, uh, there is information in the public domain, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, coming from uh, the department, or the group responsible for uh, communicating with uh, potential centres. So there are some contradictions in the article there and on page two, okay? Um, it's as if uh, some of it was written before the, the, the material had emerged because there is material coming to the locality from the actual communicator. Mm, mm. It is not it's like Inch. It says here, a briefing document provided to Oireachtas members yeah. addressed a number of questions about the use of the former hotel. This is the Clare Lakelands Hotel in Scariff, which yeah. is going to be the new centre for a num- for 77 refugees uh, coming into the country. Um, Will you tell us, uh, David, the constitution, the constituents of that 77, because there's confusion. There are people thinking that... Uh, there are people coming in with two heads, uh, you know. Um, yeah, well, ridi- ridiculous observation. Well, I, I suppose, John, you could sort of go on about, we'll say, we spoke last week in depth about what happened in Inch and the sort of social media fever or fervor that broke out in relation to it. And in fairness to, I, I think this is where we would have to say both the written media and the TDs and government ministers that were there, they received information and in relation to the hotel in Scarif, put it out there and it's there in black and white for everyone to see and you can't go around saying this, that, the other or anything Absolutely. else like that. The The original query when this was first brought up was would they be Ukrainians or would they be people seeking asylum? And yes. the answer is it's their people seeking asylum. Yes. Okay, yeah. but to my, to my mind, Luke, it shouldn't really matter who they are. No, I understand, David, but yeah. but but we'll say the the drama, which I would call over Inch and the events that happened in Corrafin last week, are I think blown up in a large way by two things: a lack of information and mm. heroes on social media. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And there can be no doubt that there was zero information provided or lastminute.com in relation to Inch. And somewhere along the way, I'd say the PR boys and the communication boys have come out and sort of said, right, we need to get out in front of the yeah, issue in yeah, relation to yeah. Scarif a little bit. Well, and and there is plenty of information has been provided. And this meeting tonight will obviously pro- provide a little bit more. We but could uh, refer to that meeting. There is a proposed meeting, a public meeting. I don't know who ca- uh, calls it. Uh, who are they speaking uh, on behalf of? Or is it just merely providing a platform well, the, according to Porig McMahon on page four of the Echo, uh, Scarif locals are the people holding a public meeting on the issue. And it, uh, it's, uh, the meeting has happened by the time this has gone out. Yes. Uh, I, I'm going to attend the meeting on behalf of the radio and see if I can get a few opinions, uh, reflective opinions of it. Uh, it's at, it was at 7.30 p.m. on the night and it, w- it, it is billed here to be attended by Senator Dooley. 
Councillor Joe Cooney and Councillor Pat Hayes are among those who have confirmed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what sort of questions are asked. T Terry Dooley, on the point you were making about information, you were both making it, uh, said there is a duty on all public representatives to explain the background to the migrant crisis and not to demonise or dictate to people, he said. So it is good that, uh, that many of our politicians are taking up the baton on this because he's right. It is partly the public representative that we elect, that we expect to hear some public information. Now, yeah. to hold to hold them entirely to account is very hard because, of course, it's a government agency and it's civil servants. And as I understand, Luke, from what you were telling us earlier, it may the communication might even be outsourced to a private company. I don't know, but it be, so it becomes very difficult to the, the flow of information. But I understand Cottle Crow um, sent out much of the information that he received. Yeah, pretty much. I think 99% of it, he put it out. And I'm sure there may be a few other people that did the same as well. But, yeah. uh, but uh, you, do you have to be on social media to get the information? Well, or where, well, where do people get the information well, you see, that's from? Pa that's part of the problem, um, I suppose, that you, you could argue. Um, could you have a scenario, or are we missing a trick where our local representatives would have a means of posting um, information, for argument's sake, uh, not, not on the county council website, but just say clairetds.ie, yeah, right? Just yeah, say for yeah. argument's sake. And the elected representatives of the county could put information received on that site mm -hmm. so that you would know, yeah. uh, all yeah. of us would know that if we go to that site, that that's where that, we'll find that's it. That's where we'll find it, but yeah. that that is legitimate information being provided yeah. by our elected representatives. Yeah, you can... It's not... Information you can trust. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not... You know, and that that's verified. It's not something sort of, yeah. you know, from, from a fake Twitter account or a and, fake and Facebook Timmy, Timmy profile or anything like that. On that Luke. And yeah. I'd go, I and would I would go... I'll go a little bit further and say this radio is an opportunity for public representatives to use in, in the sense of being able to provide information that I'm sure this radio and the various programs such as Saturday Chronicle w w w would love the opportunity to facilitate the flow of information. Yes, mm -hmm. but the, the radio has got to be ex exceptionally careful in that regard. One voice could come on with avowedly negative opinion, okay? And there's nobody to balance. Well, John, now, I think... Everyone is entitled to an opinion. Oh, okay, not, but they have to that, they, they have to be sort of based on fact. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So if you said, for argument's sake, you get somebody coming on and saying that you know oh, they're all if you get somebody on the radio and says oh, they're already there and they're already sort of you know clogging up the streets and begging and doing this and doing that and all the rest of it, and you turn around and say, well, actually, th those people aren't due to arrive until next week. Yeah, but the, you know, you can you could call people out f out the, for that. You, but Luke, there's a very interesting aspect to just what you have said. Once the words are spoken, that's what the listener hears, and uh, you know, uh, anything uh, after after that sentence, even though it, you you're quite right, anything that's respond any response, it, it's. Mm. Not doesn't but carry the same yeah. impact at all as the first statement. Yeah. Well, if you look at page two in the champion, and it's a continuation of the article, and says representatives have duty to tackle misinformation. Yes, right. Agreed. And I, I would agree with that. And 
I think part of the problem that you get is that when you have our elected representatives on social media, they probably feel at some stage under pressure to respond to individuals or they might just be having a bad day and someone sort yeah. of really ticks them off. And, you know, they might sort of say something that maybe on mature recollection they might deem to be not totally appropriate and might regret they've said it. But if they had, if the elected representatives had a, an area where all of us could go to and say, right, this is coming from Timmy Dooley. This is coming from Cahill Crow. This is coming from Violet Anwin. This is coming from, you know, Martin Conway. Yes. All, all our representatives. And it's there. Now, you can argue that a certain amount of it is, is on gov.ie backslash whatever, go to Eroctus and sort of uh, scroll down through 75 pages till you try and find individual comments from them all. But if you had one central repository of where that information was, a bit like a university, David. Okay. You know, if you wanted Luke, to go. Could I ask you this? Yeah. Um, the... Um, Two papers, both of them, have spelled the uh, the facts as we as we gathered them. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking. Um, not everybody listening to this program this afternoon will have read the Clare Champion. They've heard that there are 77 coming to Scarve. Will you spell out what the what constitutes? The 77 group so that there's no misunderstanding well if you want to understand the, fu the full bit of it I, I, I'll just refer to the article on page 2 of the champion um, there's a company Tell Hill Limited are the owners of the site the owners of the hotel and then another company has taken a 10 year lease on the site and they're called Drum Boy Okay. Drumboy. D-R-O-M-B-O-Y. And then they have been working with the gov a government agency, which uh, is the Department of about seven initials, and I'm afraid yeah, I'm not yeah. good for acronyms. Yeah. Okay. But since April 22, providing accommodation for Ukrainian refugees is the quote, right? But then Cork-based Drumboy operates seven other properties providing accommodation services to government. These locations are detailed in reply to a parliamentary question from Sean Sherlock, who sought a list of all contracts awarded for the provision of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees and those seeking international protection since February 22. Right? Yeah. But there are 77 people going to be coming to Scarif to a 26-bed facility. Now, what, right? what are the facilities? Each bedroom... Uh, David, do you want to go through it there? It's the third last paragraph there on page two. Yeah, well, there are 26 bedrooms to accommodate 77 people. And um, uh, where do you see it? Oh, yeah, each bedroom... Each bedroom is en suite with toilet, hot, cold water and shower and all toiletries will be replenished on a weekly basis. The document says laundry facilities, washers and separate dryers are provided on site. Full board catering is to be provided. Tea, coffee, snacks. Remember, these people uh, are only entitled to 38 euro a week. Yeah. So it means that and the state, for six they're not allowed to work for six months. Um, so the state effectively has to provide for everything. Yeah. Um, and now, who so are they, by the way? Who are the 77? Well, we're not told that. We are. We're told, what in, in a broad sense, we're told. Well, you tell us so, John, because yeah. I haven't been able to determine there that. There are single girls. There are, fa yeah, there are families. <laughs> okay. Correct? Isn't that right, Pat? Where did you see this yeah. now? 
It's, it's there in yeah, one, yeah, of the, one of the articles. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was referred, yeah. that was referred to yeah. uh, families yeah. and um, families single people. Yeah. 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 I know, you see, it doesn't matter It doesn't matter a damn who they are or what they are to me, but I know but, sometimes but, 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 people but, get worried if they're single men and they'll be this, yeah, but that you and see the other. That, that, the, uh, we might laugh at that in a way, and I think we're wrong to do that, but the reason why we're probably laughing at it, because it sounds so ludicrous to actually have to say it, mm. because you have these people, particularly on uh, social media sites and what you could refer to as the right wing element, stoking up this thing that it's all single men are coming over yeah. and they're going to yeah. do this X, Y, and Z. Crime spree, sort of. Right? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, of, of right wing um, propaganda which is, 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 is yeah, wrong, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 To, me, to my mind, it doesn't matter who you are. If you've come over, you're looking for asylum, the government is going to have to make up its mind of whether you're entitled to that asylum, whether you're a girl, a boy, 18 or 90. Mm. Um, if you're not entitled to it here and you're, you've come into the country illegally, you'll be sent home. If you are entitled to it, you'll be welcome. And let's face it, 3.8% unemployed. We need a lot of people to fill our jobs. Indeed. And tell me, how do you, do you, uh, you know, relate this uh, to our American experience, the experience of, of uh, our migrants going there and still being there. Yeah. We know so many. We, we, know, so, we know so many Irish migrants who are illegally in America. That's what I mean. The, um, and our politicians have spent a long number of years <coughs> trying to be, get them to become legalized mm. in America. But the, and all of those people, I'm sure, are contributing to the American economy. Um, but but there are there were always attitudes in all the countries where Irish people went to in England, in America, in Canada, where there was we don't like you crowd, you're different. A lot of a lot of men and women going, single men and women going over the various age, uh, times, and and they faced mm. they faced tough attitudes they as sure well. Did. Now I'm sure in those countries as well there was welcome. Um, and, uh, and there were well, organizations to welcome people, look after people. Your particular area of interest is the 18th century, which yeah. was a high point yeah. in terms of uh, migra migration out of Ireland, forced or otherwise. Yeah, no, there were okay. a lot of people. It, that's when it really began. Yeah. A lot of Presbyterians leaving from the north of Ireland. And men, uh, a man was not uh, permitted to bring his wife. Quite often. Yeah, yeah indentured so, service. Uh, terrible. Yeah. Pat wants Sorry to get in. Yeah, it's it's gotten well. I seen it on on the paper last week where it's gotten forty three million a week to keep to keep uh, people in this country now, um, refugees and and asylum seekers. Yeah. Number one, number two, fifteen hundred people come in uh, since January. I think I quoted this last week in the on the program. Uh, something along with fifteen hundred came in last week um, with no documentation since January until now. And another 350 came in with false documentation into the country. Yeah. But overall, Pat, according to the uh, current Porig, that, that is in the context of 20,000 people who are looking for uh, international protection ha have already been accommodated since, I think, the start of the year. So there's always going to be a few who will abuse any system. There, there's yeah. 20,412 are being accommodated at the moment, yeah. of which 3,461 arrived in 2023 to date yeah. and 15,000 in 2022. The most recent seven-day average number of daily 
arrivals into the Republic is 138. So, so daily, yeah. this basically means that the hotel in Scarif or being repurposed will accommodate half of one day half of one day one day's arrival yeah mm-hmm. now this excludes uh, our ukrainian refugees well uh, i the, think the figures as of the 14th may say that 73296 people fleeing the invasion of ukraine have arrived in ireland they are known as beneficiaries of temporary protection of that number 64132 have been provided with accommodation and 59 is the average number of daily yeah, arrivals. So, that, so, so we're yeah. still seeing Ukrainians coming. By the way, could, no. you, could, could you, could you uh, think in terms of the fields of Athenride that we sing with such great gusto? Mm. Next mm. time we sing it or, li- or we listen to it at a match, let's listen to the lyrics mm. because they have something to say yeah. about attitude. Right, well, if we're talking... Sorry, Pat, go on, yeah. I'll just uh, quote here. Supporting asylum seekers is our moral responsibility. This is Michael D. Higgins at um, at, uh, a commemoration for the famine up in Donegal. I think I know where Pat is going with this. No, Michael D. Higgins has a house with (laughs) 92 rooms in it. Is there any any asylum seekers in those rooms? It it would take probably three three times the amount of scarf. It would take... 20, uh, 77 people going into 26 rooms in Scarlet. That's about roughly three times, and he still have about 10 or 12 rooms for himself after. So, mm. I, uh, you know, uh, is this kind of rather populist stuff that Michael D comes out with? I, I don't know. Mm. He'd probably say it's not up to him, it's up to the OPW. Well, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 one of the, res- the reporters followed him up and asked, uh, checked with him, and he said this was up to the OPW, and when they went to the OPW, they checked to the OPW, and they said, uh, oh yeah, we'd have to, we'd have to consult with Michael Higgins. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it just kicking the ball yeah, down the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now probably, listen, we're yeah. 25 minutes in, lads, and uh, we've, we talked, we've talk and, uh, talked about not uh, half of what we want to talk about. I'm going to stay on page one of the champion, because we talk about migrants, we're now talking about population, and uh, some oh, yes. of the statistics uh, from the Central Statistics Office, population stats, have been released and Owen Ryan writes there on page one of the of the champion John uh, it's just down to bottom there you have you have it marked uh, so the population of the county is gone up eight percent since 2016 we've 127,938 people but the age level has gone up as well Luke sure I suppose that would be we're all it's getting it's older John increasingly in the last uh, couple of months we've been hearing from a, from the state uh, a problem facing us in the future, uh, looking after the elderly, that it's going to be a huge extra cost. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. So these figures that are coming out now from the census are highly valuable in terms of enabling our well, politicians no, to no, plan. John, I'm going to cut you off there. <laughs> I, uh, right? I, I'm sorry now, but I, I, I feel I have to do this. <laughs> yes. You mentioned the word plan <laughs> and government agencies. Not going to happen because all that will be done is the can will get kicked you're, down the road. You're very cynical. Uh, I, am I? Uh, no, David, come on, back me up here. <laughs> yeah, well, well, to be fair, Luke, Luke has said that all the time. That he, he's consistent on that. He is consistent. Well, he, we, one, can, right. one can only hope. Now, I would hope, for example, that the Department of Education look at these figures and we say, right, there is uh, these number of five-year-olds, or these, so many people uh, under the age of five, by the time they get to secondary school, have we got the facilities available for This is what really the census should be doing, um, rather than 
just being an, an empty exercise. But it is interesting, and John is right, the average age, Pat, the average age is 40.1 years. So bit o- I'm a bit over the average age. That Compare that to the last time, to 2016, and the average age was 38.5. So the population in Clare is getting older. Um, the number of dual Irish citizens, that means uh, you're both Irish and something else, has have increased significantly, uh, but very small numbers, really, 2,588 to, to over 4,500, while the non-Irish citizens uh, made up just 10% of the population. And Clare always had a, a, a significant non-Irish population going back to the 1990s. Why was that, Jim? I, 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 it, Shannon? Shannon was a factor, I suspect. Um, it was uh, facilitated that. Um, I think Clare was a welcoming county um, at that point as well, and people were attracted, and there was good value for money, yeah. so you could purchase property perhaps, and there were job opportunities maybe. Well, sure, Pat, we welcome all sorts. People from Cork <laughs> or Roscommon, you know. So the population may be getting older, but it's also expanding, 6%, an 8%. Yeah, but the, yeah. the population countrywide has gone up as well, so it's in a way it's sort of no it surprise. but the national. It's interesting, 16,510 people in Clare were working from home at least one day a week. That's very yeah. interesting. And I'm one of those 16,000. And uh, could you ask uh, uh, David to tell us about the experience? Are there negatives attaching to working at home? There are, of course, there are negatives. Um, well, number one, you have to pay for your own heating. And, and everything else. But there are, of course, lots of advantages as well. But I found that I, I actually enjoy going in, seeing my colleagues and, and interacting. Like the type of stuff that I do, which is teaching. And I always, ha- I always did my research and writing at home. Um, but the research and the interaction. And so it's hybrid now. It's it's everybody is is doing a bit of both, Co- and it's, yeah. it facilitates certain things. Yeah, co- COVID has certainly shown that um, what we thought was the norm doesn't mm. necessarily have to be the norm going forward. And advances in technology are probably helping that and and hindering maybe in other ways. Pat, you're studiously looking at the paper there. What what have you found? Yeah, me? well, I, I just there on page three, uh, Luke census reflects banner in boom, and then there's another <coughs> remote working helping to re- revitalize rural care. Uh, just there on the um, census reflects banner boom by own right. Um, George Robbins career career wise recruitment said the county is thriving. The multinational sector is driving growth and there is an effectively full employment. It is very difficult now to find staff at every level. Yeah. Indigenous Irish companies and sub supply into the multinationals are doing very well also. He said the local economy is flying, it's all well the multinational sector and indigenous sector that supplies it, but also the tourism sector has a, had, a, had a bounce back. At the moment, there is labour shortages, but he said the complete lack of housing in the region means these shortages can't be addressed. Yeah. No, and yeah. That, that, that they're all very good points. Um, we, we are, go, run, certain industries are, are have serious um, shortfalls. Um, but I read, I heard this week, we are the 25th wealthiest country in the world, Ireland. On paper. On paper. Now, I know that's calculated GDP and, and various things, but um, 
Even even taking that out of the equation, we are an enormously wealthy country. It's amazing as a historian to think of this, uh, where we have come from in the space of 100 years, um, where we were a basket case, in effect, in the 1930s and economic war uh, with Britain. And now I think we're probably, I know we're, we're well off. Uh, Britain is probably the fifth or the third wealthiest country in the world. But in many ways, we're surpassing um, their economy and attracting foreign direct investment. And I know that's why Luke says probably on paper, we, we look a bit much better. But they're coming here. And that can, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see how it goes. I think, Luke, you, you mentioned last week uh, on the housing thing there. You, you mentioned last week and you, you talked about the... The, the the housing yeah. your own house and uh, that yeah, type of modular housing, housing modular yeah. housing well I, I think I can't see um, see why they can't move on to the modular housing which is way faster I agree and I think the government have said these are coming online or on stream whatever phrase they use within a few months well, they have some they have some actually already uh, yeah. built down in Mehen and Cork for the Ukrainian putting Ukrainian yeah. people yeah. into yeah but that is that is a response but, but yeah, like uh, yeah but like no offence now. We shouldn't be building them just for the Ukrainians or for refugees coming in. We should but be building them for our own people <laughs> as yeah. well. But anyway, listen, that's a debate for another time. Uh, we're way over time, but there is two things I want to get to. Uh, the Bishop. Oh, yes. And Flannans. Well, it's just after heating up another notch. The story is about uh, the controversial planning application and purchase of ground at St. Flannans College. Uh, the Bishop... 18 of the Echo. Yeah. St. Flannan's Board of Management and Staff lodge appeals over 25 million community hospital. Um, so really the ante is up, to use a poker term, um, if the Board of Management and Staff, it shows real division uh, within the church on this question. So Father Ignatius Mer- uh, McCormick, who is the principal of St. Flannan's College, and, and as, as it says here, a diocesan colleague of Bishop Monaghan, uh, said, other, uh, other suitable sites which do not cut across existing intensive use by a large proportion of the youth of the area must be available. Which is a, a very remarkable comment for a close colleague of the bishop to make. So he's actually, he's put his colours to the mast. Yeah, it, it is. And I said, Pat, uh, you, you found a very good uh, bit in the champion referring to, you we're talking about land and everything else like that. So page 18 well, of the Echo, take a read of that and you have an ad in the paper. It's page uh, 22 on the, on the Cloud Champion, Luke, and uh, property and auctions. Uh, superb opportunity for 14.2 acres in Innes. Now, there's, there's two, actually two photographs. There's one in the ad, and there's another one in the, in, uh, which is a written article. And uh, there's 14.2 acres, fairly close to St. Flannan's College. St. Flannan's is actually pictured in the same. Yeah, it's St. Flannan's College. Pointed it's out pointed out, out on it. And uh, the West County Hotel and the Clare Road, it's all around at the back of them there. At the back of the West County? Well, it looks like, yeah, at the back of the, uh, the West County, there's a big area there. Uh, John, uh, uh, there's yeah. a photograph, but there's a lot of trees and all that in it. Uh, 14.2 acres, and um, it's for sale by Costello's, uh, Costello's um, auctioneers. Uh, auctioneers. Uh, it's a mixed-use development in, in, in the Clare mm. Road. So it'll be interesting to see how Unboard Planola will deal with this. Exactly. Well, there's, uh, a, there's, a, there's a critical question. We meant we referred to it last week. Yeah, we haven't much time now, John. Yeah, so. Right, one minute at the most. Um, we referred to this last week. Do we actually... Uh, subscribe to the idea 
that in 20 or 30 years' time, it may be absolutely crucial to expand the facilities in Flannens. Yeah. But of course, the bishop would argue that there is plenty, even without, even with this sale, there's plenty of land. So it's a matter of judgment, isn't it, John? It is. Yeah. So mm. it, it shouldn't be too difficult. It's, 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 a, nice, it's a lovely green site around St. Fans, and they have yeah. lovely pictures yeah. there. And uh, I, I think it's a pretty good building houses. Well, that, that's the aesthetical there. side of it. But, but I mean, I'm more, more interested the practical in the practical developmental side. planning yeah. side. That is it, yes. it better to have the hospital? In the, in the heart, as it would be. Yeah. It's a community or, hospital, I suppose, for Innes. Yeah. But as, 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 as Pat has pointed out, there seems to be other opportunities there. Yeah, right. There was another site right. out, out beside the old ladies. Yeah, we need to move on. And before we do, uh, John, there is um, what could only be described as a, a fabulous picture by your namesake on page one of The Champion. Uh, and you were the 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 appropriate phrase is horseplay, but you were trying to come up with something uh, uh, more there uh, for anyone that buys. We said the champion. I, I think it, it is frameable <laughs> that photograph, isn't it? Yeah, um, he could win another award. He for could it. indeed get yeah. the caption right. I don't think horseplay is is sufficiently embracing. Yeah, well, go. I I would recommend to listeners go out and buy the Clare Champion. Have yeah. a look at it. Uh, yeah. it's basically a pair of horses interacting with each other in the field outside yeah. the Hinches, and one appears to be laughing at the other. In, in, indeed. Now, Pat, half time. Who have we? Well, uh, we we have lovely weather, Luke, for the last couple of weeks. Um, in, up in high high temperatures. So we'll have, we'll have Mungo Jerry in the summertime. Well, we're, I'm sure it'll probably rain on this day next week. <laughs> but but we, we keep going. We keep going anyway. Right, we're back after the halftime uh, break and uh, in the summertime and there's lots of laughter and uh, debate going on here. John, um, uh, before we go to our own neck of the woods, you, there's a, an article that you were referring to, the best place in the world to lay your head at night. Absolutely. I don't know how you measure it, actually, but, I mean, are there facilities provided that would suggest this is good for sleep? Uh, but, I, I mean, it's an amazing award. What's but this now, John? You're, you're talking about page six on, on, on uh, sorry, page eight on the echo. I, and I'm wearing the glasses at this stage, and I still can't read it. <laughs> page uh, eight. A hotel located in Newmarket on Fergus. I wonder what that could be, John. Dromolan Castle. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it has won the Global Award for uh, the finest night's sleep. In the world? In the world. Oh, my God. No, that's... Well, yeah. that's, a fair, that's a fair boast to, Isn't to have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think we should try it out? Oh, it definitely. How much does it cost, John? We, we, for for uh, in, introducing the listeners uh, to this award, uh, surely we're entitled that, to that. That price is free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did we verify? The, the, tra- the, travel, the Traveller's Choice Awards, the top spot in the... Uh, it's a new category, Hotels for Sleep category. The recognition, or the recognition means it's viewed as a hotel where a decent night kip is as good as guaranteed. You might pay for it, but you'll get, you'll get, your, your, you'll get your night's sleep. Right, listen, I'm going to move on to a topic that's sort of a little bit of interest to me. Uh, and it'll be a little bit of interest to the rest of you. Because, John, um, I, 
you know, the rutting season is approaching. Yeah, it's usually associated with deer. Yeah, yeah, but but um, I would say the clock is ticking, and we're now eleven months away. Yeah. From the local elections. We are, and, and we have. Could, could, well, now since you're so interested in it, can the uh, the the constituency for East Clare can it actually uh, elect a fourth? councillor from the Fianna Fáil party well no that's engaging well that's no engaging if their attention it, at it, the moment. it is indeed but if you were to look at it on a national level and we know all politics is local and yeah. lo- local is often different I think Fianna Fáil w- might be struggling to keep the three that they have if if it was a general election but it's not so it's local but anyway on page 11 of the Clare Echo Park McMahon uh, is writing uh, he th- the Fianna Fáil are out the traps first and uh, they've started having their meetings. Their selection meetings. Their selection meetings. Mm. And uh, tensions are beginning to simmer yeah. amongst the Fianna Fáil faithful Apparently, in East Clare. Because they have three elected at the moment. Yes, three of us. We're talking about Killaloo mun- Municipal District, which covers yes. us in East Clare. Matt, Matt Moroney from Broadford yes. has emerged as an interested... Uh, he, want, he wants to get on the ticket. He wants to get on which would mean... Uh, four fighting for four. Yeah, they and have four candidates looking for four seats. For the, is there how many seats? Five. five. But yeah. they won't put up. They won't put forward five. They just put forward three. They three. put forward three. But but, but Mr. Maroney, Mr. Maroney says he can get on if he's that members. If he, gets vote, if he gets enough votes, he can. Of course, but he, Mr. Maroney is saying here in the papers that members of the East Clare Corla Counter are playing dirty tricks. By informing persons eligible to vote that a sitting councillor will be added to the ticket if they are defeated by him at convention in his efforts to win extra that support. Hap- that can happen. Now, what would you make of that, Pat? Dirty it tactics in Fianna Fáil. <laughs> in <laughs> politics? <laughs> <laughs> no, very Members of East Clare, can you, uh, East Clare, uh, in Council, Mr. Moroni has been accused of, of, of saying that uh, a vote would be added. Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. Have accused Maroney of playing dirty tactics. Yeah. Sorry, but, but I, 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 the, the, the impression Maroney from is playing dirty. The tactics, impression from that is that he says, "Well, if I don't win at the convention, I sorry, uh, sorry, if I win at the convention, that I'll be par- replaced. The, the party will, will add whoever will say if one of the uh, three incumbents wasn't uh, successful, yes. that I they know. would add them. No, that's the thing that happens, Pat more at General elections election, yeah. rather than councils. That can't happen here because uh, if we look, th- if we look up here at the corner of the page, yeah. um, in in, in the 20, 2019 local elections, where Finnegale received four thousand seven hundred thirty-five first preference votes in comparison to Finnegale's three thousand seven hundred thirty. So there, there was Finnegale had a thousand votes more in their in their candidates at the time. Yes. So if you put in four candidates, then you're going to. He said, and and I think Tony O'Brien is right. He said, you 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 have a, um, the logic of losing two two seats. Just putting up the yeah. And vote. and Fine Gael put forward three candidates, three candidates. the last time. Yeah. <coughs> Can I just put this to you because we we read a lot uh, every week about uh, the council and debates in the council and various councillors and we uh, the echo is very good actually at at r- reporting the who votes in what way. And often you'll get Fianna Fáilers and Fine Gaelers, some of them voting together, and another set of them, Fianna Fáilers and Fine Gaelers, uh, voting a different way um, against their colleagues. I put it to you, does it, does it actually matter what party they belong to at all? Well, at local level, it doesn't enough for that. Uh, at local level, they all work together, really. Yeah. I, I think the so what's the point of the, the parties? 
the councillors in Killaloo uh, uh, municipal district anyway they, 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 they seem they to work together yeah and, and it has been well established over the years and and a number of journalists in the county have alluded to that fact that compared to some of the other municipal districts there is a bigger sense of cooperation mm. and a more willingness to get things done together as best as possible now look i'm sure they have disagreements uh, on sort of you know different items as well but in the bigger but it scheme, appears the there's bigger no scheme of things political party divisions no I, um, I, I, no i wouldn't think so but but you see david a lot of what it is now is if you get a seat on the council on the party whatever your party is when it comes to the general election then that's where it becomes important because yeah. if you do well in the in the council yeah. elections, you could get put get on. bumped up. You could get bumped up yeah. and training, uh, training ground. Kind yeah, of. yeah, and like we said, Park alluded to previously. Um, you know, I think part of the things where they're talking about dirt, dirty tricks, and it's interesting to note that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Moroni has a comment in relation to events at the hotel as well on the article on page four uh, that Park wrote on the champion that we spent half the first uh, part talking about, but. Park had previously reported a surge in membership has been experienced within the East Clare Corla counter from 160 to 244 over recent months, a cohort of which are said to be supportive of Moroni, and they joined late in 2022. One of those is understood to be Becca Doyle, who contested the 2019 local elections as a candidate for the Social Democrats. Mm. But here is the thing now, and this is where the allegation of dirty tricks is uh, coming from. Before being able to vote in a selection convention, individuals must be paid up members for 13 months the decision to p- of party chiefs in East Clare to move swiftly in holding the convention will subsequently <coughs> hinder the potential impact from the Moroni supporters of course yeah of course so I think that's where he's <coughs> maybe a little bit uh, aggrieved so, I think <laughs> yeah you might tell the our listeners Luke um, <coughs> how exactly how exactly uh, the nomination process happens oh well it's basically a, a party has yeah. we say the core counter? I think is the what, what it's uh, referred to mm. as. Pat, they go in and basically, I presume, it's ballot papers. Yeah, and and how do you get in? You must be. A oh, you have to be a member. You nominate the members. Nominate nominate the councillor. Yeah. So yeah. The, there's so many members. Not every Tom Dick and Harry. There must be a signed you up. You'll be a signed up member. You you nominate you nominate the councillor, and then yeah. it goes to the, the convention. This convention is on the ninth of June. May of June in Tulla. Which is um, next Friday week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And could so you go, go in there now and sit at the back and observe proceedings? And observe. Yeah, well, you could as well if you wanted to. Could you? Well, well you'd want to be recognised press, I'd imagine. I, I'm not press. even sure if at the conventions uh, they would uh, allow that because you know, so that's internal party it is, yeah. party things. So I'm sure they'd have an independent assessor to vote, you know, count votes and stuff like that. But it will be interesting to see how that goes. So it'll be well, a week or two. would be on from I think six to eight or half eight, and then they'd count the votes and yeah, and then they'd announce who who's going forward. That's yeah, that's the way, that's so, the way it goes. So that that's it. Any anyway, right. speeches or anything like that? Uh, ex- exactly. So listen, we'll we'll move on because uh, we said Park has re- uh, issues there in relate in relation to you know the Ennis five in the frame for the Fianna Fáil ticket in uh, in Ennis, and uh, I just note there on page eleven as well that Timmy Dooley's growing a beard for a good cause uh, for the Irish Motor Newer on Disease Association. So we'll, we will wish Timmy the, the best in that. There is an article on page thirteen of the <coughs> Echo. 
uh, and it, we alluded to it uh, last week, so we won't spend too much talking about it. But basically, acquisition of a 42-space car park in Scarif has not been uh, yet completed and remains integral to the regeneration project, which has already been granted uh, over half a million in funding. Uh, it seems to have stalled for want of yes. for want of uh, money. They have some money. They don't have it all. So yeah, but, but I think uh, get, getting a lot mo- getting money is dependent on that <coughs> sale of that site going through to be able to develop it yeah. and 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 kick kick start it. So um, we'll move on to page thirteen of the cha- of the champion, and that is the East Clare page. And uh, Pat, at the start of it there. Uh, or the top part of it there, a, lov- a lovely picture uh, uh, from a lady uh, over on the, on the Balna side looking over at the good side, uh, <coughs> o- over onto Killaloo and St. Flannan's Cathedral. Yeah, all, all, tunes, all tunes up for the, the Killaloo Festival, Luke. So um, they're having a big weekend of, um, of classical music and uh, in, in Killaloo this weekend. And it's, it's marvelous to see. And uh, this festival has gone on in a, in, on a long time and uh, they're having... Um, um, uh, concerts in the in Saint Anne's in Saint Anne's Cathedral in the um, the Catholic Church in the Killaloo and over in the Catholic Church in the Belenese. Yeah, I, I, it, 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 uh, I'm sort of half joking now in relation to the photograph of uh, Catherine uh, Hunke, uh, the okay, artistic yeah, director, artistic because director. it's actually the first time that the uh, festival is moving over onto the Belenese. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's of course by when this gets out, it's mostly over. But the finale is on tonight at seven thirty p.m. in Saint Flannan's Cathedral yep. in Killaloo. So Killeum there is still an opportunity if you've missed it. Um, to get down there soon. Yeah, so KilloomusicFestival.com uh, and I'm sure for those that you that like that music be very very much going. Now on uh, page 13 as well, Fiona has uh, written about it and uh, Park has written about it on page 21 which is the East Clare uh, page in the Echo and uh, <coughs> it's uh, hopes that Tulla Pats haven't missed funding race and then East Clare reps fearful upgrade of Tulla Junction is parked. So this was debated at the last um, uh, meeting of the Killaloo Municipal District. And its upgrades to the footpath at the junction for uh, Peter and Paul's church are likely to be parked. Uh, representatives in East Clare have lamented. Pat, you can tell us about the condition of uh, the yeah. streets uh, and byways, byways of Killaloo there. I'd say um, in Tuller there, over from, from the church, as you come over to the main street, there at the corner, there's a, a high footpath there along, and uh, I suppose it's not in great condition. And there's steps in it, and I think I see where Joe Cooney there um, referred to it in one, one of the articles where he was at a funeral and, and he sees somebody um, falling off the step and falling onto the road. So I suppose they were looking for money and um, in this travel, in the in the active travel funding. And I suppose they're short of money in, in Tuller and they're trying to maybe uh, get money through different um, uh, uh, schemes in the council to yeah, alleviate it, the, the problem. It appears that active travel was the way to go in relation to looking for these grants over the years. But um, the the deputies, or the deputies, the, the councillors are lamenting the fact that active of travel seems to have been hijacked by the Greens and moved to uh, basically rural areas, uh, sorry, urban, urban areas, areas yeah. uh, and that the funding for it is gone there. So now, David, would you be in favour of uh, moving that to urban areas, or do you think are we entitled to have footpaths in rural East Clare? 
So I, I'm, I'm all in favour of footpaths every which way. But there is, a, I think it was another minister, Heather Humphreys, who announced oh, about a year ago, maybe, a massive amount of money for rural uh, initiatives, probably including footpaths. But of course, councillors and more importantly, the executive of councils need to be on top of their game in order to get the funding. Uh, we go back to the Scarif car park issue. One little bit of a slip up and they don't apply for the funding and it's all delayed by a year. I suspect Tulla will get its paths sorted fairly yeah, soon. The, the, actually, only in the last few weeks there, um, just there uh, on the main street, um, down by Mike Corbett's uh, Shop and uh, all that area there along there, they have some new footpaths in it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and they have a new, lovely new footpath out to the athletic track from the yeah. from the corner yeah. of the courthouse, and the new fence and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And the, the athletic track is yeah. there and it has been progressed. So, uh, that there has been work done there. And mm. well, there is some of it other just there on the hill I mean, as well. It's in poor, it's in poor condition. We raised this two weeks ago, and I was stopped again on the square in Scarif and and uh, asked John would you mind asking for a traffic calming uh, pro, um, what's the word you'd use for the area uh, around the National School in Scarif it is a nightmare mm. she said I said I will uh, and I said I mentioned it last week and I'll mention it again this week so mm. we're making a special appeal to Pat Hayes and his colleagues who have done great work uh, with us over that while. Well, now that there's an election coming up, John, you might have a chance that they might be listening and yeah. might take heed. But yeah. of course, they're only councillors. It's the people at the behind the desk in the office who will make the ultimate decision. Oh, yeah, but, uh, but I mean, the process involves the boys pushing. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I know last week we were talking about uh, the possibility of a one-way in fecal, and uh, it looks, uh, John, that uh, Whitegate are sort of ahead of the posse uh, with you because at page 21 there in the champion, that draft proposal proposal for controlled pedestrian crossings in Whitegate to be completed. Yeah, yeah, that's the that, that's the, the, Sorry, did yeah. I say the champion? Sorry, yeah. my apologies. Uh, that's in relation to the entrance to the GA grounds in Whitegate, which most people will know as the centre of civilization <laughs> that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, down there, you know? Just, just, uh, in a lot of schools now, John, they've done, I see Brown Broadford, they have a pedestrian crossing as well, and they have a lot of school places, I'd say, would be. Yeah. Would be uh, I suppose in time, they'll probably get some uh, yeah. pedestrian yeah. crossings, platform ones, you know? Yeah. 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 So, well, they're, they're certainly needed in in, in our yeah. in our area. Yeah, John, there be a bit of you would be concerned just in relation to the National School in Scarif. Now, an area that you travel uh, literally past any time you you leave your house, but yeah. like that road is not wide to begin with. No. So you know, uh, be a little bit. Would it be not quite lucky? Well, you couldn't put one way into it. But if a if a proper footpath was put in. Uh, that would narrow the road down because you you know you make the road narrower and uh, the best example I could give you is, is it of the road f- into Killaloo from Tungrani to Killaloo where the footpaths the, you know the footpaths are and especially from Two Mile Gate in yeah. you you can go at a general speed there but you're not going overtaking anyone because mm-hmm. the width of that footpath there you're you're there you on the road and saying, th- right. this is a bit too yeah. tight mm. that's right yeah she had a school in Tungrani you were looking for one as well yeah that was we we, we spoke about that 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 last week but uh, uh, right. Uh, there's an article at the bottom of uh, page uh, 13 on the champion there Dan Danner has it and mm-hmm. a lovely picture of Justin Garvey and Caitlin Doyle uh, during their mm-hmm. recent visit to Clare and this comes from a historical um, 
matters in relation to Killaloo and uh, it's actually th- there's a very nice story there and I won't give it all away but it's basically uh, Deborah uh, Dudgeon of the uh, Killaloo Balna Historical Society who uh, members of the radio will be well familiar with and uh, Deborah and uh, her team in the society organised a number of talks there was one that was on literally just before this show uh, aired uh, which was part two of uh, a talk that was given down in the cathedral there uh, two or three weeks ago but this, this refers back to um, a, a man we'll say uh, that gave a talk and uh, he was so popular that uh, the talk went on until after midnight John he's an Australian national and do you know why the talk went on he might be from Australia but he has learnt Irish traditions because he had food and beer for everyone <laughs> is that Justin Justin Garvey, is that the uh, guy? No, we'll say uh, it was basically uh, Phil Gleeson regarding his great-grandfather, Thomas Francis Gleeson. He emigrated oh. to Australia in uh, 88. But we'll say in, in relation to the Garveys, um, there, were, there was a, a, a visit, uh, we'll say, that Deborah was asked if, if they knew of Garveys from Dudley, and he said, most of, of to County Mead, but one went to Ballina. And we'll say there was different different uh, people that were researched and everything else like that. And, um, you know, uh, there are, as we, we spoke about earlier, uh, history, immigration, migration. Mm. It brings up fascinating stories over periods of time. David, you're the ultimate history man. Mm. You know that that's an art. Oh, yeah. That's an article. I'm sure, uh, you know, you're 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 go, you're going to like. Yeah, but, yeah. but it was Justin Garvey from Freedom, Wisconsin, in the USA, mm. got in touch with the historical society. He was researching his Garvey relatives from the Glen and Killaloo, and then we'll say when he he uh, wound up getting uh, engaged. And he said, get married, came over, got married in Clare, and there's a nice picture of them there on page 13 at the Cliffs of Moher. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and ancestral wedding for romantic yanks is a heading. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Maybe not totally appropriate, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> no, not totally appropriate. <laughs> the next thing is they should honeymoon in Drumoland for a good night's sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 they might Maybe be better to Not their honeymoon night, And listen, on that note, we're probably gone way over time, so we might get too, we, we won't be sleeping here on the job anyway but uh, Pat uh, we, we'll just say our thank yous and Pat you can line up who we're going to finish up with David thank you very much uh, John S thank you very much and uh, Pat who are we going to finish out with well, uh, Susie Quadro she was 73 yesterday Luke oh yeah so stumbling in with, with I'll say from Chris Norman so fair enough right uh, all going well Jim will be back in the big seat next week so uh, until then from us all here at Local Media Show goodbye and take care our love is alive